0: While the devil seeks to destroy us and diminish us through agreement with his lies, God wants to help and bless us. This message is the second in the series, Rudders and Roots. The message is entitled, Agreeing with God. Here is Pastor Dale O'Shields. Well, yes, we're going to start back into our New Year series. After a several-week break, we started strong the first weekend of the year, and then we had the snowstorm that happened, and, of course, I was away. And so we're going to come back to our series called Change Your Words, Change Your Life. Say it with me. Change your words, change your life. You know, one of the most important things that you and I can do is learn how to make sure that our words line up with God, to begin to speak words, because the Bible teaches us that there's power in our words. Proverbs 18, verse 21 is just one of many verses that points us to this reality. The scripture says, Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it and indulge it will eat its fruit and bear the consequences of their words. Let me read that again. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it, And indulge it, will eat its fruit, and bear the consequences of their words. What I want you to notice are several things here. First of all, that you and I have the power to speak death or life by the words that we declare. Your words are setting in motion your future. Whether you realize it or not, you're actually preparing for the future by the words that you speak. Death and life are in the power of your tongue. And you and I experience the consequences of what we say. We've heard it said before, you eat your words. And in many ways, we do eat the fruit of our words. Whatever it is that we say, we end up digesting, ingesting, and it affects the direction of our life. And there are many people who are actually sabotaging their future. They are enslaving themselves to their past. They are depressing themselves unnecessarily. They are reinforcing certain destructive spiritual strongholds in their life. They're ruining their relationships because they haven't learned how to take control of their tongue. Their tongues are creating death instead of life. And so we want to turn that around this year. For the rest of our lives, we want to get a hold on our tongue and begin to set it as the rudder of our life so that we can move in the right direction to track with God's plan for our life. Now, let me say something very quickly. Here's a digression just for a moment. When I talk about your words, I'm not talking about just some magical declaration of words as though you can speak anything and bring it into existence. What I am talking about is getting your words lined up with God, agreeing with God with your words. And I want to talk today about that little phrase, agreeing with God. We'll look specifically at it in regards to our words, but I really want us to focus on that little phrase, agreeing with God. Can you say it together with me? Agreeing with God. I'm going to share with you four things today, four principles of, of agreement that are extremely important. Today's message is really more of a teaching than it is a preaching time, and I hope you'll take really good notes as we go through this, because I want to lay a foundation for you that can really help you for the rest of your life. All four of these points, each each of them will build on the preceding points. You must get the first point to really understand the second. You must get the first and second to understand the third. You must get the first, second, and third to understand the fourth. They're cumulative in nature. and So we're going to build a building today from the ground up. So at the foundational level, the first principle I'd like to talk to you about today in terms of agreeing with God is to understand something about agreement, that agreement is that which empowers and reinforces things in your life. To agree with someone is to come in harmony with them. It's to line yourself up with their thoughts. To line yourself up with their intentions. It is to get into harmony with another person, with another being, with another thing. And all of us are constantly seeking agreement in our life. So many times in our conversations, the focus of our conversation is to get someone to agree with us. Do you agree with me? We ask someone that question and you give them your opinion. You're trying to sway them to persuade them to your side. You're trying to find people that will agree with you about certain things. We regularly seek this this agreement, this confirmation, this affirmation of our own thoughts and ideas and opinions because we're validating them through getting agreement from someone else. Now, this is wonderful when your thoughts and opinions are good and right. It's pretty bad when they're wrong, because some people will have wrong ideas and wrong thoughts and wrong opinions, and they will seek out people to reinforce or agree with them, and that which they believe is wrong, and that reinforces, it empowers them in their position. It's also true in the right side of things. That if you're thinking and believing the right things, you find another person who is in is a kindred spirit with you. They agree with you. It empowers the relationship, and so... Agreement is what empowers and reinforces. This principle is found all throughout the pages of the Bible. It's about adding your agreement to something that is fixed, a fixed position. I want to share with you five ways the Bible teaches us of the power of agreement, how it empowers and reinforces certain positive things in life when we get them lined up appropriately. The first thing that we must understand is that work is more powerful and productive when people work together in agreement. We we understand that. When you find another person in a job situation or a ministry situation you're working together in agreement, there's more power, there's more productivity there. The Apostle Paul in Philippians chapter 4 verses 2 and 3 writes from the prison in Rome. He's there 24-7, guards to his right and to his left, and so he's pinning this little letter to the church at Philippi, church that he loved dearly. He had lots of things on his mind to write to this church, but he comes to the fourth chapter of these, this very short little book. And in this fourth chapter, the apostle Paul zeroes in on an issue in the church. Notice what he says in verses two and three. He writes and says, I urge you, Odia, and I urge Syntyche to agree. Notice that to do what? To agree, to work in harmony in the Lord. Indeed, I ask you too, my true companion, to help these women to keep on cooperating for they have shared my struggle and the cause of the gospel together with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. I want you to imagine with me just for a moment, Paul in prison. He's thinking about the church at Philippi and he's concerned about two ladies in the church who are out of agreement. Two two ladies in the church who have lost their harmony with one another, and so Paul draws out the names of these two individuals and says, we've got to do something about this because it's weakening the impact, it's weakening the power of ministry in the church. They need to come back into agreement. Do you see the power of agreement? The second thing is that relationships are more powerful and enjoyable, fulfilling when people are in harmony and agreement. Always works better when you're in agreement with someone. Marriage works better when the marriage is in agreement. Friendships work better when there's agreement there. It's a lot more fun to be in a relationship where there's harmony and agreement. Ecclesiastes 4.9 says, Two can accomplish more than twice as much as one, for the results can be much better. I love that verse. Two can accomplish more than twice, more than twice as much as one, for the results can be much better. When you get in agreement with someone and go to work, the results are multiplied. One of the strongest animals in the world that exists is called the Belgian draft horse. Very muscular animal, and a, dra- a Belgian draft horse has the capacity alone of pulling about eight thousand pounds. Think about that—eight thousand pounds being pulled by one animal. When you team up a Belgian, two Belgian draft horses together, what would you, what, what, what amount of weight would you anticipate them being able to pull? If one can pull eight, then obviously you would anticipate two could pull. 16,000. But actually, when they study these animals, when they're put in pairs together because of the synergy, because of the agreement, because of the harmony, these two animals, these two muscular beings can actually pull over 20,000 up to 24,000 pounds together because they're actually increasing. They can do more than twice as much as one. Another interesting fact about Belgian draft horses, if you take two of these horses and raise them together from their birth, as little colts, they grow up together and they're trained together and they're raised together from the time they're little animals to the time that they're ready to go to work. And you put them together because they've had that amount of time together, that longevity of time together, instead of pulling 20 to 24,000 pounds together, these two are able to pull 30 to 32,000 pounds together. Isn't that amazing? It's the power of Synergy. It's the power of agreement. It's the power of longevity in agreement. The third thing that we notice according to scripture is that prayer is more powerful and fruitful when it's offered in agreement. Jesus himself said these words in Matthew 18, verses 19 and 20. Again, I give you an eternal truth. So let's stop for a moment. Jesus said, Pay attention. I'm about to give you a truth that will never stop being. It's an eternal truth, it lasts forever. If two of you agree to ask God for something in a symphony of prayer, my heavenly Father will do it for you. Notice that if two of you... What's the next word there? Agree. If two of you agree to ask God for something in a symphony of prayer, my heavenly Father will do it for you. For wherever two or three come together in honor of my name, I am right there within this tremendous power when we come together in agreement for prayer. The fourth thing is that your life is more powerful and productive when you're undivided in your thought, your motives, and that which operates internally inside of you. I'll explain it to you this way. When your life is scattered in terms of different thoughts and directions and you, you're double-minded, am I going to do this, am I not, what am I going to do, and your focus is all in all kind of different directions, what does that do to the impact, the power of your life? It, it waters down your power, correct? Okay. You take a student in a classroom. If that student is daydreaming and thinking about one thing and another thing in his mind or her mind is all over the place, are they going to get very much out of the lecture, out of the classroom situation? Very likely Not. But you take a student that is focused upon the the, the attention. They have an undivided focus on what's happening in that classroom environment or what may be happening for your situation in your life. There's a focus, attention. There's power that comes through focus. That's why the Apostle Paul writes about this in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 3. He says, I fear. He says, I'm afraid of you, for you, Corinthians. I'm fearful of this one thing, that somehow your pure and undivided devotion to Christ will be corrupt. I'm concerned that, that you get, you're going to be divided in your devotion because it's going to weaken your relationship with God, just as Eve was deceived by the cunning ways of the serpent. The psalmist David understood this as well. In Psalm 86, verse 11, he writes these words. It's actually a prayer that he prayed. Teach me your ways, Lord, that I may rely on your faithfulness. Notice the statement. Give me an undivided heart. I don't want my heart separated. I want my heart in harmony with you that I may fear your name. And then finally here in this point, your relationship with God and walk with God is more powerful and peaceful and fruitful when you are in agreement with him. Amos 3, 3 says, can two walk together unless they are what? Agreed. What I want you to see today is the first principle is that when you are in agreement with someone, right or wrong, that agreement will empower and reinforce your position in your life. That's what agreement does. It empowers and it reinforces. Don't lose that thought because it's going to build from there to the other things that we'll talk about. The second point being this, self-agreement is your most powerful agreement. Agreement with yourself is the most common and powerful form of agreement because you consistently work to prove and confirm what you believe, what you feel is true and valid and accurate, even when external reality says the opposite. You've heard the phrase before, don't confuse me with the facts. My mind is made up. Because when you think something and you believe something yourself, it's far more powerful than anything else you can hear. Example. Someone says to you one day, oh, you really look good today. In your mind, you say, no, I don't. And who do you believe? What they say or what you say to yourself. Or someone says to you, you really did a good job and you don't feel you did a good job. And so inside your self-talk tells you something opposite from what external voices may be telling you. And at the, every time you'll believe yourself before you'll believe anyone else because you validate yourself. This is the most important agreement, the most significant and common agreement that you have in your life is this self agreement because it comes through your self talk. Everybody has a self talk. You're talking to yourself all the time and you're agreeing with yourself and that's why you seek other people to agree with you so it reinforces what you've already thought about yourself internally. Whether they're right or wrong, you want to you want somebody to agree with what you already believe about you because self talk, or self-confirmation, self-belief is more powerful than anything else in your life, what you really believe about yourself. The Bible says that we can actually, yes, think the right things about ourselves and believe the right things about ourselves, or we can actually believe the wrong things about ourselves. We can have the right beliefs, the right self-talk about God, about ourselves, about others. We can have the wrong self-talk about God, ourselves, and others, and either way, it's going to affect us positively or negatively. And when we have a negative or wrong self-talk in our lives, the Bible refers to it as something that I want you to get this phrase this morning. It's a biblical phrase. When you're not thinking the right way about God, when you're not thinking, The right way about yourself, when you're not thinking the right way about other people, the Bible says you're being self deceived. Self deceived, right? Would you agree if you're lying to yourself, what are you? Help me out, church, what are you? If you're lying to yourself, you are self deceived. Notice the scripture here, notice what it says. James chapter 1, 22. Do not merely listen to the word, and so, what does it say? deceive yourselves, do what it says. So there are many people who might hear God's word and think just because they heard it, they really are doing it. And the reality is you don't do it unless you do it. You're not living it unless you actually live it. And so there's a self-deception. 1 John 1 verse 8 says that we claim to be without sin. We again deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. So what I want you to note today is just because you think something or feel something doesn't make it true. You think things all the time and you feel things all the time that that many times are not true. I mean, you just with a nod of, head, of your head this morning would look back on a time in your life when you had a thought and you were absolutely convinced that that thought was true and then you came to a reality later that what you thought for all that period of time was not true at all. So you had believed something that was not even true or you had felt something and you, you thought, it's got to be true because I feel it. Well, I want you to note this morning that just because you think something and because you feel something never makes it true. There's another truth that we'll come to in just a moment that needs to trump that truth that idea, that belief in your life. So we don't want to be self-deceived because when you believe yourself and you're in that place of believing the wrong things about yourself and about God and about others, what does agreement do? Agreement, it goes back to the first point, agreement does what? It reinforces and empowers. So anything you believe, it gets re- you agree with, even if it's with yourself and it's self-deception, that is being reinforced And what else empowered in your life? Let's go to the third point. We're building on each of these three. Everybody with me so far? The third thing I want you to note today, according to the scriptures, is that voices of darkness are seeking your agreement. It's imperative that we understand and accept the reality of what we, we know in scripture to be spiritual warfare. Dear ones, I want to tell you today, as a Christian believer, you're in a war. We're in a war. There's an an invisible enemy that is around us. There's a real world around us. There's the kingdom of darkness and the kingdom of light, the kingdom of Satan, the kingdom of God. We have to be aware of that reality. We can't see it, but it's very, very real. Paul writes about this in Ephesians chapter 6, beginning in verse number 10. A final word, be strong in the Lord in his mighty power, put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all strategies of the devil. So Paul is treating the devil as a real personality, a real entity. And then he says in verse 12 For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the. What kind of world? You can't see them, but are they real? Church, we can't see them, but are they real? They're real against mighty powers in this dark world, against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Therefore, here's our, our response. Put on every piece of God's armor so you'll be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then after the battle, you will still be standing firm. Stand your ground, putting on the belt of truth and the body armor of God's righteousness. For shoes, put on the peace that comes from the good news so that you will be fully prepared. In addition to all of these, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. He refers to the devil again. And then he says, put on salvation as your helmet and take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Peter makes this statement as well. This, this concept provides for us this truth about the spiritual battle we're in. First Peter 5, 8, stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Now, we've got to understand something. Agreement is what allows us to be ha- have things reinforced, empowered in our lives, the strongest agreement we will ever have is agreement with ourselves, okay? And as we're in this concept, this idea of the strongest agreement is agreement with ourselves, we now interject another factor in the equation. There are evil forces that are trying to influence what we think about ourselves, what we think in ourselves. Very important to get. And one of the primary characteristics of the devil, one of the primary characteristics of the enemy is that he is a liar. He is a dark, destructive liar. He's a liar. Jesus made this clear in John chapter 8, verses 43 and 44. He's, He's speaking now to the religious leaders of his day, and he says, why can't you understand what I'm saying? It's because you can't even hear me. He says, you don't even understand what I'm saying for you of your children for you are the children of your father the devil and you love to do the evil things he does he was a murderer from the beginning and then he describes the characteristics of the devil he has always hated the truth because there is no truth in him when he lies it is consistent with his character for he is a liar and the father of lies So here we are, understanding the power of agreement, we realize that we agree with ourselves that power is the most important power in our lives, and the devil comes along to take advantage of that as a liar and as the father of lies. Let me explain this to you. Now, when it comes to the reproductive dimensions of life, it is the father that seeds. Are we here today? You understand that, right? So what I want you to see is that the the father of lies is always trying to seed lies into your life. He's trying to propagate lies into your life, knowing that if he can get lies in there and you can believe them and you accept them as yours, then it reinforces, it, it, it empowers that in your life and it becomes a stronghold in your life. Because it locks you down in a category of your life because he's, he's, bred, he's bred something into you and now you've accepted it on your own and, and you're going to believe yourself if you believe anybody, right? So now that thought has become your thought, and now you're believing certain things yourself about God and about yourself and about others that are not even true about God, not even true about yourself, and not even true about other people, but you bought it in, and you bought into the lie of the adversary, and you think it's just the way you think. No, it's not just the way you think. It's because it's been seeded by the father of lies in your life, okay? Are you tracking with me today? He's the father of lies. He seeds these things into your life because he wants one thing. He wants to destroy you. He wants to rob you of your effectiveness. He wants to rob you of your destiny. He wants to seed these things into your life and get you to accept them as being how you think, how you view, and how you live. And so we must understand that the battleground in your life is the battleground of your mind. And how it translates into the self-talk in your life and the outward talk of your life. Because as surely as God is seeking agreement, I will tell you this today, the devil is trying to get you to agree with him. He's trying to plant these thoughts in your mind. You know, God's not really that good, is he? I really can't trust God, can you? God really doesn't love you. God really doesn't care. God's not really going to provide for you, is he? Oh, you know what? You never know what's going to happen to your future. You can't believe you're going to have a good future because, you know, look at your past. It's been better. You'll never break out of this addiction. You'll never get free of this habit or this problem. And the enemy seeds these things into our lives. We begin to self-talk and we begin to believe them to be true because agreement with these things always empowers and reinforces them in our life and it creates a stronghold. Notice what Paul writes in terms of this in 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Again, this is a teaching today. I hope you're you're staying with me through this this sequence of things. For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. So he says, we're in the world. There's a warfare going on, but, but it's not warfare like the world fights. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish... Stop there with me for a moment. Strongholds. What is a stronghold? A stronghold is something that has a strong hold on you. That's really what it is. And so here we are, trying to go through our life, and we know there's that. That there's an enemy trying to destroy us and he's seeding these thoughts into our life and we grab hold of them, we start believing them and because we believe it, it creates a stronghold inside of us in our minds and our self-talk and the way that we're living. And so the Bible says that we are waging a warfare in this world that we live in, but it's not like the world fights. No, it's a different kind of warfare. We need the power of God to demolish these strongholds. Amen? Amen. We want these things broken in our life. I don't want to live under the lie of Satan, Do you? I don't want to be controlled by what the adversary has told me that is absolutely untrue. And so I don't want to live under that. I need these, these strongholds demolished. So it goes on to say, we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God and we take captive every thought to make it what? Obedient to Christ. So here's this enemy working his way in, but there's a power that can demolish his influence as we learn to take captive every thought. And the more we repeat the lies of the enemy in our mind, the more, more agreement comes to them and the more empowerment and reinforcement they have. And so we need to break the strongholds. Let me go to the last point today, my final point. And by the way, before I give you the final point, I'm going to give you full permission that once I give you this final point, you can take a praise break on this final point. You can give God glory on this final point. You ready? Okay. The best agreement is agreement with God. Come on. The best agreement is agreement with God. While the devil seeks to destroy us through our agreement with his lies, God wants to help and bless us through agreement with his truth, with his word. Are you, you see this? So Satan wants us to agree with his lies. God says, no, I want you to agree with my word and my truth. Because I want to help you and bless you. Satan wants to destroy you. God says, I want to help you and I want to bless you. And how do I do that? I do that with truth. I do that with light. Because truth always exposes lies and light always dispels darkness. So when you're in a place of a stronghold, believing a lie, there's only one thing that's going to set you free from a lie, and that is the truth. If you're living in a stronghold of darkness, the only thing that will free you from a stronghold of darkness is the light of God's Word. And so it's the Word of God that comes into our being, into our mind, into our soul, into our spirit that begins to free us, liberate us from the lies of the adversary with truth and breaks the power of darkness in our life with the light of God's Word. You need to be flooded with the Word of God, okay? Because when you're flooded with the word of God, it's breaking these strongholds in your life. And this is what it means when Jesus said, you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. This is what this is all about. It's not just mental knowledge up here. You'll know the truth down inside of your self-talk, down inside of where you live inside of yourself, what you're agreeing with. You'll know that truth in the inner being. And instead of agreeing with the lies of the adversary, you'll agree with the truth of God's word and it will set you free. I've watched it time and time again in people's lives when they had that revelation moment when they got the truth of God's word down in their soul and it broke the lie of the adversary and that truth set them free. They went on a journey they could never go on before because they were liberated by truth. They were freed from the darkness that held them captive for years. Why? Because truth always liberates. You'll know the truth, it'll set you free. Man, I'm preaching hard. I thought I was gonna teach, but I'm preaching this morning, all right? Are you with me today? God wants to get this into your heart today. I, feel, I just wish I could screw open the top of your head and just pour it down in it, okay? But I can't. you got to grab this stuff. And so for the truth to get in you, you've got to discover it. you got to get into the truth. If the truth's going to get into you, you've got to get into it. That's why you need to get into your Bible The weekend that we were off because of the snow, I did an entire teaching that weekend. I hope you went online and watched it. If you didn't go back and get it from the archives. I spent the whole service that weekend, the teaching time, talking about how to study your Bible. You know how many Christians never pick up their Bible? They wonder, why am I living in bondage? Why do I have such a hard time? Well, you don't have any of the word in you, okay? You're living under these strongholds of, of the enemy in your life. And so because those are there, you're struggling in certain areas of your life until so you get truth in your life that liberates you from that. So to get that truth there, you've got, to, you've got to open up the pages of Scripture. You can't just slip your Bible under your pillow at night and hope that it makes its way into your head and heart, okay? You actually have to open up the Bible. You say, I can't, I can't understand the Bible. That's a lie. That's one of the first lies the devil would like to tell you. Oh, you'll never understand that book, the Bible. It's too complicated for you. No, it's not. You know why? Because as a Christian, the Holy Spirit lives inside of you. As a Christian, the Holy Spirit lives inside. When you invited Christ in your life, the Holy Spirit came to live inside. And the Holy Spirit is the author of the book. And the author of the book lives inside of you. If you want to understand anything about a book, ask the author, okay? The author will always tell you what he meant when he wrote the book, okay? And so as you're reading your Bible, Holy Spirit, would you help me to understand what's going on in the pages of this book? I need to understand it. Holy Spirit, I'm one of the children of God. Would you help me to understand? And you may not understand everything. You might get stuck in the book of Leviticus and not have a clue what any of that's about. I still get stuck there today myself, okay? You might get in the book of Revelation sometimes and say, what in the world is that all about? Don't worry about it, just keep reading, amen? Okay, just keep on reading, okay? Don't worry about what it means. But it's gonna be times you're not gonna understand, times you won't figure it out, times it will not make any sense to you, but there'll be moments when God will break through by the power of his Holy Spirit, there'll be a word that'll be planted in your heart and truth will begin to work inside. you. You keep on eating and you'll get healthy, okay? You keep on eating and God will build you up on the inside. you got to keep on eating. you got to get into the book. And the devil will do everything he can to keep you out of that book. Because that book is a threat to him. That book is a threat to his existence, his rule in your life. So you get into that book. You discover what he says. But it's not just enough to discover it. You've got to believe it. And you've got to believe it above and beyond what you feel. I'll give you an example of this. I think all of us have had moments in our life whenever we, we felt like God was a million miles away. Ever had that moment in your life? I don't know where God is. I feel so, like God is not even around me. I don't feel his presence. God, are you with me? You wonder, is God even with you? You begin to feel that feeling on the inside. Is, is God with me? And you start questioning the presence of God in your life. It begins to depress you and discourage you until you remember what the scripture says. And the scripture says, God said it to me as one of his children. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. So at that moment, you know what the Bible says? The Bible says, God said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. But what am I feeling? I'm feeling forsaken, okay? So my feelings say I'm forsaken, but the Bible says I'm not. You're with me today? So at that point, I've got to make a decision. Do I believe what I feel or do I believe what the Bible says? And the problem with most of us is we always go with our feelings. Well, if I feel it, it must be true. No. if you you felt a lot of things in your life that were not true at all, okay? Not true at all. Just because you feel that God's not present with you doesn't mean he's not present with you. In fact, it's the opposite. He said in his word, I will never leave you nor forsake you, okay? And so you've got to move beyond just knowing what the Bible says by getting into it to believing what the Bible says then to now the next level is to declare what the Bible says, all right? This is this idea of your words. Life and death are in the power of your your tongue. Are you with me here? An example in my own life, how I have to to deal with this at times because I feel the same things you do. I'm human just like you are. There are moments I feel like, where are you, God? I don't know if you're here or not. Are you with me? I'm wondering if God's present with me. And I remember he promised he would never leave me nor forsake me. And so what I do is I get up in the morning and in the face of my feelings that say God's not with me, I look at myself in the mirror and I say, God, I thank you that you are with me today. I praise you because your word says you will never leave me nor forsake me. I thank you that I am a child of God and because of that, the Holy Spirit is inside of me. So where I go, you go and you guiding my path. You're the Lord of my, who is my shepherd. You promise to lead me in paths of righteousness for your namesake. You promise to guide me through the valley of the shadow of death, and I, I will fear no evil because you're with me. Your rod and your staff comfort me. You've prepared a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy follows me all the days of my life, and I dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I declare today, I don't care what I feel. I know what the Bible says. Says about my life and I begin to declare what God's word says see life and death are in the power of your tongue in the power of your tongue okay you got to declare it okay what happens see again what you agree with is what gets reinforced and empowered in your life. If you agree with your feelings, those are gonna be reinforced and empowered in your life, but if you agree with what God says, his truth begins to be reinforced and, re- and empowered in your life as well. Calm down, Dale. <laughs> what happens when you go to South America, I guess. right? So. Here's the good news. You discover the word, you believe it, no matter what you feel, then you begin to declare it, and here's the beautiful thing. Then you start living it. Okay. You start living, so it starts changing the way you live. You don't live the way you used to, because now you begin to have a biblical mindset. You begin to view the world differently because now I'm thinking about the world based upon how God says I'm to view him, how God says I'm to view myself how God says I'm to view other people, and so now it's going to change the way that I live my life. It's going to transform the way I live my life. Now, you might say, well, Pastor, how do I, how do, I do that? How do I do that? Well, I wanted to help you with that process, and so what I did is I actually wrote a book. The last couple of months, I prepared a little book for you that is going to, everybody that's at church next weekend gets a copy of that book. It's called Unleashed, so you need to be at church. You get a free copy of the book next week, all right? So everybody gets one, okay? And in that book, Unleashed, there are 25 declarations, 25 confessions, 25 declarations and all the scriptures that underscore it. Because a declaration is no good if it's not backed up by the Bible. Amen? We're not just walking around saying things. Okay? I can walk all day and say, I have red hair, I have red hair, I have red hair. And guess what? I still have white hair. Okay? Okay? Right? Thank God I got some hair. Praise God for that. Okay? So... So we're not just proclaiming things out of our own thoughts. We're proclaiming things that are consistent with what God, because your word doesn't matter. God's word matters, okay? Your word has no power. God's word has power. And so I've given you 25 declarations that you can begin to proclaim in your life and I'm gonna encourage you, we'll talk more about this next week when I provide the book for you. It'll help you to get moving in that process to help to understand how to actually do this in a very practical way in your life. But I'm telling you, are you hearing me today? I'm telling you, this will change your life. This will change your future because when you change your words, you change your life. What have we learned today? We've learned number one, what does agreement do for you? It always what? Always empowers and re You're always seeking agreement because when you do, it empowers and reinforces. Right or wrong, it's going to empower or reinforce. Who's the person you believe more than anybody else? Yourself. Who takes advantage of that? Satan does. And he comes in and he seeds lies into your life. So you'll take them for yourself and make them like they're your own. You begin to believe them. And that begins to destroy your life. But then what changes you and me is when we begin to agree with God above and beyond what we think about ourselves. And then God's word comes in and has the power to break those chains and set us free from our strongholds. Would you bow your heads together with me as we pray? Father, thank you for your word this morning. We're grateful for the word of God. And we thank you that you're speaking to us in a very powerful way this season. I believe, Lord, that you're, you're doing some wonderful things in our hearts and lives. And I pray you'll take today's message. And I pray it would find its way deep into our hearts. I pray that we would leave here today enthused, encouraged, believing, Lord God, that you're going to do something fresh in all of our lives. You're going to break the strongholds that have held us back. This is going to be our year of turnaround through the power of your Holy Spirit. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. And I would encourage you also to check out the resources on our website that will help you to get going in your relationship with Jesus. You can find them at church-redeemer.org. Get those into your hands. Get started in your new life with Jesus Christ. Thanks again for joining us today. May God bless you, and we look forward to seeing you next time. If you've prayed with a pastor today and made a decision to follow Jesus Christ, we have some resources for you on our website, Just go to church-redeemer.org slash a new you. We pray that this message was a blessing to you.